Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whenever and wherever it is that you're listening to us, we want to thank you in advance. We as fans have always appreciated your input as fellow fans. When you're happy, we're happy. When you're upset, we are too. But sometimes we're just a little bit more honest. We are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. You can find us on Twitter at Bastards underscore Boston. I am your host, Cody Paulson, coming to you from Houston, Texas, by way of Ponte Vedra Beach. You can find me on Twitter slash X at the Cody Paulson. Our other hosts for this episode are Terry Cushman, coming to us from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, by way of Wyndham, Maine, and Micah Storms, coming to us from Reading, Pennsylvania. Terry, how are you doing tonight, and where can the fans find you on Twitter? They can find me on Twitter at CushmanMLB. Kind of a uh, weird series this weekend. Uh, the the bad pitcher scheduled to start uh, all pitched well. Uh, Cutter Crawford, Matt Manning, uh, to be specific. Uh, we'll be getting into some of them later. But the Red Sox do uh, gain a game on the Toronto Blue Jays, who dropped two out of three this weekend. So uh, the Red Sox are three games back uh, out of the wild card spot. They still have the Mariners uh, in front of them. Uh, also pursuing the Blue Jays. So six games above 500, uh, a pretty solid weekend. I think two out of three of us, uh, myself included, uh, on the midweek had us dropping two out of three. So, Micah, how are you doing tonight, and where can the fans find you on Twitter? I am terrific, Cody. I finally get a chance to talk about a series win. So Charlie's going to be taking the uh, midweek show from now on because the Red Sox seem to win over the weekend. So I'm going to be doing this from now on, I think. At least that's what I'm going to try to do because I want to talk about the Red Sox winning. Um, but fans can find me on Twitter. It will never be X at, uh, at Ballpark Buzz. Um, Terry, did you realize that Jason, you and myself were 0 for 9 in our predictions. We predicted all the games incorrectly. <laughs> we did. Okay, so you agreed with us as well. I for some reason I yep. thought you might have had an extra win in there. Yeah, it was 0 for uh, 9. It was an interesting weekend and on Saturday's game, the Red Sox only struck out 3 times uh in a losing game. <laughs> so, just a lot of contact outs and um yeah we'll see we got another series coming up against uh the nationals that's a little tricky i mean you would think it should be a sweep but uh i i think it'll be a tough series uh regardless of what the results are definitely a winnable series coming up one that we should take advantage of and speaking of winning series uh since we did take two out of three against the tigers we're going to start off with our studs for the studs and duds segment so michael why don't you lead us off with your stud for the series yeah my stud was trevor story and i think over the the two games that he played he played friday night and then he played today Red Sox fans really saw what everyone is hoping he can be moving forward because he was six for eight with three doubles, three stolen bases. He was just impacting the game everywhere. Um, defensively, he was super sound at shortstop. And this is what you want. You want a guy who's in the middle of the lineup. He, he was hitting third today. And, I mean, he hit 
a bullet to right field that was a ground rule double. And then he hit a bullet to center field that just missed a home run by a couple of inches. That's what you're looking for. Eventually the home runs will be there. I mean, he was just a foot away from it from for today for his first one, but the power was there. He wasn't striking out a lot in this series. Um, and I think it just shows you that even though he came up and there was a lot of discussion, well, he should be up earlier. Um, he kind of knew he wasn't quite back yet. That Kansas City series, the first two games, I think he was 0 for 8 or 1 for 9, something like that, with like six or seven strikeouts. He just wasn't right. But all it takes is one or two at-bats sometimes, and all of a sudden you're you're feeling good, your timing's back. And he certainly looks like he's got his timing back. And he did it today against Eduardo Rodriguez, a really good pitcher. So I'm excited about what I'm seeing. Uh, we need to see it consistently because last year we saw he would have a game where he would go three for four or he would have a game where he'd have a homer but then had three strikeouts so I want to see a little bit more consistency but there's no question that a healthy Trevor Story can be a difference maker in this lineup and they desperately need it right now because the offense hasn't been very consistent um, I would say probably over the last three weeks so a healthy Trevor Story uh, would go a long way in really giving this offense a big boost. Terry, what are your thoughts? It was a pleasant surprise uh, to see him have a pretty good series. Um, you, you look at Adam Duvall's return, and we thought that was potentially going to be uh, an instant boost for the Red Sox, and it didn't end up being really that uh, impactful and so it was kind of fair to you know be a little skeptical on how quickly Trevor Story could get it together and last year he wasn't you know I think he hit 238 wasn't uh, he drove in a lot of runs but you know he wasn't hitting at a, at a very good clip and so it you just you just wonder when you're going to get the real Trevor Story, the guy that we signed that we gave the six uh, year deal deal to. So hopefully this is the the spark that the Red Sox need offensively. We've been somewhat anemic. The one thing I noticed, uh, and Story was a one for eleven in the previous series coming into this one. So cold start for him. There was lots of strikeouts there on. Uh, Friday, uh, he had a he had a pretty good game there, two for four. Had Verdugo hitting behind him. I'm not a big fan of. I, I think for Story to be successful, you need you need a really good hitter behind him. Whether that's Yoshida, whether it's Devers, whether it's Casas, like the the pitcher on the mound, you know, needs to, you know needs to be careful about, you know, walking a guy like Story potentially with a dangerous hitter behind him. You don't want to do that. So I wasn't thrilled with Verdugo hitting behind him in game one. Today he was four for four with Yoshida hitting behind him. And everybody's going to be very careful with the Yoshida because the dude's a hitting machine. And, you know, you don't want guys on base in front of Yoshida because they could end up coming home. So... We'll see. Like Micah said, the, the power is is there. He hit a ball to straightaway center. If it was just a foot higher, it goes out. It ends up being a home run. 
So, like what I'm seeing, I was the biggest Trevor Story uh, proponent of anybody two winters ago. Um, screaming from the mountaintops, he would be the best value signing. Everyone thought uh, Correa would get north of three. Uh, Corey Seager did get north of three. Um, I want to say there was one more um, big signing in there. I'm drawing some blanks, but to me, I'm a value guy, and I thought Trevor Story represented good value. So I want all of those takes from the previous winter to age well. So, um, so hopefully this is the start of that finally. Those are a lot of great points, right? And, you know, everybody keeps talking about Trevor Story in the sense of he's this dynamic athlete, right? Stolen bases, extra base hits, rangy shortstop, you know, able to make all the throws. And we did get a glimpse of that, right? And, you know, I think the the main thing that we always talk about with Trevor Story is consistency. Can he do it at that, you know, league average to above league average uh, hitting clip, right? As, as you kind of mentioned, Terry. Um it's just great to see him back out on the diamond. I know everybody was kind of pressuring him to get back. Why is he taking so many games down in AAA? And, you know, he's been with the Red Sox for two years now, and he's yet to have a real spring training. And so I kind of viewed his rehab stint as as an extended spring training. And, you know, with a guy that's coming off of a, a UCL, for lack of better terms, surgery, confidence is key here. And if you don't feel like you have that confidence in your elbow, take all the games you need to get that confidence. He was obviously raking. I think it was doing wonders for his confidence and – um, I think the biggest thing, you know, we had talked about the power. Sure. That's great. And that's going to come. I, you know, as long as he's getting hits, getting that timing, you know, making sure that he's able to go the other way. And, you know, these are snippets that he said in his, in his interview, you know, staying back on the off speed and pulling those if, if, um, opportune, but, you know, being able to go the opposite way to right center to, to dead center for that matter, um, are all good signs to see. And so it's, uh, it's really encouraging to see him have these kind of weekends and hopefully you know it can lengthen the lineup with uh with the righties like duvall uh, to help balance it terry who do you have for your stud for the series i'm gonna go with tristan casas um you know his overall line was two for nine so that doesn't look super impressive but he did draw three walks in addition to those two hits and then in game one had, you know, the most impactful hit of the game. Uh, probably won it for you. That was in the fourth inning. Uh, Trevor Story singled. Uh, Pablo Reyes also singled. And then Casas comes to the plate with those two on and, um, you know, crushes one. So, uh, like I said, changed uh, the game uh, from that moment on. It was It was four to nothing at that point. And um, it just continues to he continues to be basically the best hitter in Major League Baseball since the All-Star break. And you're seeing a power surge from him. And I think I gave this take recently, but so many people over the winter wanted to temper expectations for how many home runs he would hit. And a lot of people thought he'd be, you know, in the. 25 home run range and just seeing him at the plate his presence the raw power I really think he's a 35 to 40 guy and he might not get there this year because he, he did have a terrible start in April and May but I think he's come a long way and I, I think we're we're seeing who the real Tristan Casas is going to be 
And I definitely said recently that I think he could have an Aaron Judge-like presence in that batter's box where pitchers are going to fear him. And uh, you're probably going to continue to see a lot of walks because of that. But the dude is just... He's a nuclear power plant uh, in the in the batter's box. He's just launching them, and um, I love it. And it's it's been consistent now. So I, I think you know we're we're not saying he's arrived because I, I think he already has, but he's here to stay, and he's going to be a huge factor. And I think this winter. You, you, we've heard extension talks with so many other players. I, you, there better be some Tristan Casas extension talks because he's going to get very expensive, very fast. If um, you know, if if Bloom or whoever's in charge, you know, waits long enough so that Casas has all the leverage. The Red Sox have the leverage this winter, so I, I hope they they capitalize on that and get him on a uh, fairly team friendly deal. Micah? Yeah, I'm with you, Terry. I think Heim Bloom, if he's still here in the offseason, he's got a very, very busy offseason because I think extending Tristan Casa should be one of the top priorities because I think extending him over Brian Bayo, in my opinion, that should be a top priority just because he is, I think he is a three or four hitter in your lineup for the next decade plus. I, I really think he is. He has that type of potential. Um, what I loved about the home run on Friday night was it came against a lefty. Tariq Skubal is – he is filthy. And he might have some of the best stuff out of any left-handed pitcher in terms of starter that you'll see all, all season long. And he crushed that ball. And I just – that's what I want to see from him – to the end of the season, if the Red Sox, I'm, I'm hoping they are competitive and they're playing meaningful games up into the final week of the season. But even if they're not, I really want to see him go up against left-handed pitchers and find some success because coming into today's game, he was hitting 190 against lefties. And that's a kind of drastic split. And if that doesn't improve, then you're talking about a guy who still is kind of a platoon player, a really good platoon player because he can mash righties. But I still think he has the ability to hit lefties and righties. I think it's in there. Um, to me, I think the final piece for Casas is he's starting to use the center of the field more because we didn't see him do that much in the beginning of the year. He was pulling everything. I still think he needs to find the, the connection with the monster. I'm waiting to see him use the opposite field more often. Um, because a lot of pitchers now, especially lefties, are just really trying to attack him away, away, away. And until he makes that adjustment and shows I can go with that pitch and still hit it with authority, because he definitely can do it. We saw him do it last year against Garrett Cole. He hit a moonshot over the monster. Um, I just don't think we've seen it since he's done that. So I think that's the missing piece. I don't think pitchers are going to try to beat him inside because he's got a quick bat. And I think they're just going to keep attacking him away. And once he figures out that the monster is very, very close and you don't have to hit it as far as you do to right field, I think he's going to, his, his game is going to go even to the next level. Um, so I, I love what I'm seeing. I'm, I think the, the Justin Turner injury 
only adds to the idea that he's going to be facing lefties constantly because I don't think Turner is going to be playing first base consistently. Those are a lot of great points. And I think Tristan Costas is definitely deserving of being a stud for this series. Um, you know, we had a couple of three run bombs playing old school Red Sox baseball, you know, circa the mid two thousands. But, um, for me, the biggest thing, in my opinion, is the model of consistency, right? He was always consistent with his pregame routine. He was always consistent with his pre-at-bat routine, with his approach to, you know, his his day-to-day, right? And it's, can you do that on the field now? Can you be consistent in your, in your production? And we're starting to see that a little bit more here and there, right? Um, as Michael was saying, using the center of the field, trying to go the other way, um, you know, he is going to take whatever you give him, whether it be a walk, whether it be a single, a double or a home run. Uh, you know, I know that we've long talked on this podcast uh, about how when Casas gets a hold of one, he doesn't get any cheap home runs. Those are usually 400 plus uh, moon bombs. And so it's just good to see him you know, kind of settle into his own, believe in himself and shake off that that cold start and really just perform and produce as a top of the order bat in his rookie year, right? The guy's still what, 23, 24, if I'm not mistaken, you know, extension talk, I think absolutely has to be on that table. And Micah, that's a, that's an interesting take. Maybe one of the hotter takes we've had in a while that uh, Cassis has usurped Bayo as the number one extension uh, candidate for the off season. Um, that'll be definitely something that we should, should pay attention to maybe jot down as, as something that, you know, come back and give you your flowers if you are in fact uh, correct. But I think that's a that's a tremendous stud for the series. Um, you know, his he seems to have a pension from the moment too, right? Those those big home runs that kind of put the game away or, or get us back in the mix. Um, and the moments don't usually seem too big for him now, which is nice. Just real quick, back to you, Gary. Uh, yeah. So last thirty games, he's hitting three twenty three with an extremely robust four twenty five on base and a slugging percentage that is just a tick, literally under 700. So the dude is, uh, like I said, a nuclear power plant and uh, can change a game for you in in one swing. Micah? Yeah, I was going to add, I I really believe he is going to be a guy who, over the course of an entire season, has a 400 OBP or better. There's only like, uh, I think, between eight to 10 players who usually do that per season. I think he is going to be on that level every single year once he starts to, you know, have a little bit more of ex- experience under his belt. I just think his knowledge of the strike zone is elite. Um, I'm not going to compare him to, tre- uh, to Juan Soto, but he has a similar eye to Juan Soto. He rarely chases with less than two strikes. And that's the, that you need to be able to draw walks at a high rate in order to have a high OBP. And I, I really think he's got that ability and I would not be surprised if he does it multiple times in his career. That'd be tremendous. I mean, that would add so much length and depth to the lineup too. Cause you know, he's, he's a batter too that you can move all over the lineup as, as necessary. He's a guy that, you know, kind of stays true to his own approach. He doesn't need to be a leadoff guy or has to be the three-hole guy. He's like, hey, look, I'm going to go up there. I'm going to get mine, and and we'll keep it moving. Is there anything else that either one of you wanted to add on Tristan Casas? No? All right. Wrapping up our final stud for the series, uh, my stud was Adam Duvall. Um, crucial 3-1 home run today to kind of put the game out of reach, um, you know, and what 
some may determine or claim to be a must-win game. I think anytime we can win a series, it kind of becomes must-win, especially when you can pick up games on the wild card. Um, game one, you know, one for one, I guess, uh, or 0 for one with a strikeout, but three walks. You know, this was a guy that obviously started the season on an absolute tear, had that unfortunate um, wrist injury, and was a little bit slow to, to come back from from the injured list. And so to see him get walks, which is something that isn't really common to his game, I think is a, is a sight to behold. Uh, you know, we're getting two prominent right-handed bats back in the lineup with him and story. Um, you know, I know Terry has always lamented how lefty heavy this lineup is and rightfully so, you know, we've got a lot of good hitters, but a lot of them are on the left side of the plate. Um, so, you know, Adam Duvall doesn't always have to be the home run or bust type player. If he can start, you know, incorporating some more walks into his game, I think that's really going to help, help this lineup. Um, it doesn't always have to be on one guy, right? You know, this lineup in in series past has kind of faltered when Devers has faltered. And so, you know, if we can pass that buck around with, you know, the um, immersion of Cassis and Duran and, you know, Yoshida hitting the ground running, uh, I just think this this lineup just becomes a little bit more uh, to be feared as, as they move along. Terry? It was great to see. Um, th- there was a little bit of luck leading up to that. Uh, Akil Badu lost the ball in the sun. That allowed one base runner. And then uh, there was a bit of a miscue between the um, the fielders uh, towards second base. And that play didn't get made. So that set the stage for it. And um, having said that, the ball was absolutely crushed. Uh, cleared the monster, went on to Lansdowne Street. So um, it, it was a big moment for uh, Duvall. And like you said, three walks in game one. If you told me before the start of the game, if you asked me who was going to draw three walks, I would have said, oh, definitely Casas or Yoshida or someone. Of, uh, Duvall would have been like my seventh guess. So. Um, you know, good, good series for him. Uh, he, you know, he's 35 years old, trying to stay relevant in his career, trying to, you know, find a spot, uh, you know, to, to keep that career going at, at a high level. So if the Red Sox are fortunate enough to, to get into October, he could be one of your unlikely heroes that, that comes through for you, uh, in a big situation. So not a bad series for Duvall. I think what he did today is exactly what the Red Sox are looking for. You don't need him to hit 300. If he did that, would you take it? Absolutely. But what he did in the first 10 games of the season, no one expected that. When they signed him, no one thought he would ever do something like that. That was an incredible stretch. But even if he hits 220, I would absolutely take that if it comes with power. That's what they need. And that one swing of the bat, if you get one of those every game or every series even, that could completely change the the outcome of one of the games in the series like it did today. Today's game was it was three two and you're going, oh boy, you know, it, it's it's a little tight and you gotta you got five and four and a four and a third innings from the bullpen. You know, a lot could happen, and this is a game you must have, so you really don't want to play a tight game with the the Tigers. And Duvall comes up and, boom, 6-2. And it's just the game's pretty much over at that point. And those are the types of swings that you're looking for from him. 
that that power from the right side is is desperate for this team. And I think Trevor Story coming back adds to that. But I think if they can get Story and Duvall adding that power from the right side, the offense just becomes different. You you look at them different because for the first three, four months of the season, it was pretty much Yoshida, Devers. And then who after that is really giving you consistent power? Casas occasionally, but now he is. But when you add Duvall and Story, all of a sudden you have five or six guys who in theory could, you know, drive the ball out of the ballpark and, and put up a crooked number. And that's what this offense has really been missing over the last two to three weeks is that crooked number. They seem to score one run at a time and it's just not enough. You need those crooked numbers to really give the pitching staff a, a little bit of a some wiggle room to work with. Some very good points. Uh, Terry, did you have anything else that you wanted to mention? Uh, no. Uh, you can get on to honorable mentions if you want. Very good. Yeah, some of the honorable mentions that we had for this series, uh, Chris Sale and Garrett Whitlock coming off the injury list, um, performing admirably and very effectively in each of their respective outings. Um, Murphy, again, continued long relief, um, joined the one-time uh, Save Club member. And then uh, Connor Wong, an RBI in two games, including a, a triple today. Were there any other honorable mentions that you two wanted to mention? I think uh, that about covers it. And with Murphy, by the way, impressively, didn't give up a hit in those three innings. Yeah, he's been he's been a much needed revelation for us. But as fun as it is to talk about the studs, on the other side of the coin, there are the duds for this series. Uh, so, Micah, why don't you kick it off with your dud for this series? It pains me to have this player as a dud, but I have to be true and I have to be honest. But Brian Bayo definitely was a dud this series. This was a poor outing from him, and, and it was an outing that Jason, Terry, and I predicted was an a guaranteed win because he was on the mound. And I think he spoiled us for so long because he was going six, seven innings and being completely dominant outing after outing. And maybe we're seeing a little fatigue. Some of the lineups are making adjustments against him possibly, but four and two thirds, nine hits. That's a number that I just did not expect from this Detroit lineup. And he also gave up two more home runs He's given up 10 home runs over his last seven starts. So the home run ball is definitely starting to get to him. And it's a little concerning just because he went from giving up no home runs, which that's not realistic either. There's going to be some type of um, balance there. He's not going to give up two home runs all season long. But 10 home runs and seven starts for a guy who's a ground ball pitcher, not something I really expected from him. What I noticed in that start yesterday was he was getting to two strikes, but he was having a hard time putting guys away. And they kept fouling him off, fouling him off, and then he would give up a single with two strikes or a double with two strikes. And I think for him, that slider is the pitch that's going to take him from being a probably number three starter right now to an ace. I know we kind of – proclaimed him as the ace of this staff. And I still think he absolutely has that upside, but the consistency of an ace is the ability to get those swings and misses. And he just was unable to do that. And he actually was getting beat consistently yesterday. 
on his third best pitch, which is that slider slash cutter. So that pitch is the the, the pitch that's going to take him to the next level or allow him to go to the next level. And that's something he's going to have to work on. But I was a little disappointed to see him keep going to that pitch just because the fastball and the changeup combination was, he was successful with that combo. And I didn't think there was much need for a slider and cutter yesterday, but that's what he was going with. And the Tigers were kind of all over him yesterday. So tough outing for him. I'm not too concerned, but we are in uncharted territory with Bayo in terms of a big league season, in terms of innings. So there could be fatigue. Unfortunately, with the way the Red Sox are going, they need to win, and they don't really have the luxury of saying we're going to skip a start with Bayo and give him some extra time. They don't really have that luxury right now. So I think he's just going to kind of have to figure it out on the fly, and that's kind of what he's done as a big leaguer over the last couple of years anyways. Derek? So just to build on uh, the workload that Micah was talking about, he's only four innings away from exceeding his all-time high ever. In 2019, in A-ball, he pitched 117 innings, and he's at 113 and one-third. So so uncharted territory uh, as well, like Micah said. The one stat that really is starting to bother me with Bayo is his strikeout per nine is only 7.6. And I don't know what the average is, but I'm willing to bet that's below average. And for a guy who can hit, you know, 97, 98 on the radar gun, you would expect him to be, you know, getting a, a higher number of strikeouts. So, I don't know if he needs to mix his pitches a little bit better or maybe refine one or two of his pitches to get those swings and misses and whatever, but not definitely not striking out uh, enough guys. And uh, like Micah said as well, he's getting hit hard. Uh, you know, those balls are, are carrying. There's a lot of them. Some that aren't going out are, are close to going out. You know, they're getting close to the warning track. So, Hopefully they figure it out. You know, it is probably, excuse me, a little bit of uh, fatigue and, and um, you know, a little bit mechanics. So hopefully we don't mess up his arm either because he did have uh, some inflammation in spring training. So there is uh, at least a slight record of susceptibility there too. He's a big part of our future. So if we were to lose him for a season – that would be pretty catastrophic. Absolutely. And, you know, for the longest time in this season, with the amount of injuries that we've had on the starting rotation, he played role of the stopper or he played role of the, hey, we at least got a major league starter today in Brian Bale. You know, he might not go seven shut, but he's going to go five or six and keep you competitive. And it's not going to be a bullpen game. It's not going to be, you know, which version of Pavetta are we going to get, which, you know, as great as Pavetta has been. But we, uh, Bale has, like you guys have mentioned, right? It's uncharted territory. Is it that fatigue? You know, I think the the number one thing, and Micah touched on this at his point, is not putting those batters away. He's getting to 0-2 counts or 1-2 counts with a lot of these batters. And, you know, it's driving up his pitch count. It's, you know, showing the opposing team, you know, more of his arsenal, more of his uh, pitch mix. And if he's not able to put these guys away, he's only exposing himself to, you know, more fatigue and, and more opportunities to get hit hard. Um 
I, you know, I think everybody's kind of heard us say this before. It's, you know, I'm not worried yet, but, you know, we're paying attention or, you know, we are not in, we're not trending where we want to be trending. And I think that's kind of where, where Bayo falls. You know, he has been so good for us for so long this season that you know, we're willing to give him a little bit of leadway here. Uh, but yeah, maybe, you know, we can, we can figure out how to get him an extra day of rest here or there. I know that we've got a lot of games and a lot of days at the moment, but um, something to keep an eye on for sure. Uh, with that being said, Terry, who is your dud for this series? My dud will be Alex Verdugo, who was one for nine on the series and not really uh, having a good month of August. Um, just going back to the previous series here. Where is he? Two for 10 the previous series. And then let's go back one more. Uh, against the Blue Jays, he was, uh, well, he was three for seven there. He had a three-hit game. But aside from that, this is uh, a far different player than what we saw in the first half that was always coming through uh, in in big moments, not necessarily via the home run, but just, you know, timely base hits to keep the line moving and, uh, you know, keep people coming across the plate and, I don't know. I don't know what happened. I don't know how the switch got flipped. Uh, you know, perhaps it, it was the extension talks. Perhaps it was the trade talks. He did admit that, you know, that did bother him a little bit. But we're almost two weeks past the trade deadline now, and he hasn't really started to figure it out yet. So the the one thing, if, if you want to say something nice about him, uh, the strikeouts haven't really been a problem he only struck out, I think, once the whole series here. Yeah, just one of his nine at-bats was a strikeout. Let me just go back to the previous one. Uh, let's see. No strike. Uh, one strikeout, excuse me, uh, in the previous series uh, in his 10 at-bats. So only two strikeouts in his last 19. So the plate discipline is still there, but there's just something, you know, a little bit off. So... Hopefully he figures it out. Um, the The top of the order is kind of in flux at the moment, so it, it wouldn't be a bad time for him to figure it out. Micah. It's been weird. It has been weird. I, I really thought he was taking that next step as a player through the first three months of the year. He was incredible. And now we are seeing a guy who isn't hitting for pretty much any power. And the average is, is almost around 200 or worse. So I don't know where the value with Verdugo really is if he's not hitting for average and he's hitting for no power. I, I, I'm not sure what to really make of that, but he is really starting to play himself into a platoon role because you can't have a guy who's doing those two things and play him, you know, consistently five, six times a week. It just doesn't work, especially when you have guys like Duvall who, yeah, he has, you know, a high strikeout rate, doesn't hit for a high average, but he has the ability to change a game with one swing. I don't feel Alex Verdugo, especially with the way he's swinging right now, has the ability to change the game with one swing. When he comes up, it's, I'm kind of expecting a single or he's just not, he's going to make an out in some way. Um, so I don't know what the, the shift has been for him. The only thing I will say is defensively, 
he has been in, he's been outstanding. He has not allowed this rough stretch to affect his defense. He continues to make really nice plays, especially along uh, pesky pole. He continues to make great plays. So defensively, he's great. But offensively, I'm starting to feel like I would be okay with the Red Sox really trading him in the offseason and him not being a part of the future of this team. I think back in May, I was all about an extension, but I thought he was going to be that type of player all season long. It really looked like he was going to be a big-time player that you could count on, and these weird stretches where he just – disappears that's not somebody that i'm willing to to pay for five more years at 15 plus million a year that's just not i don't think that would be a wise business move i think with rafaela duran you could go out and, and sign someone or trade for an outfielder as well i think there's plenty of other options out there if this is the type of player that Verdugo is going to be, I just don't think it would be wise to invest in Ver- in Verdugo right now. It really is quite the bummer, right? Because he carried the water for this organization and for this offense for the first two, two and a half months of, of the season. You know, he was hitting well above, I guess, his, his punching weight, you know, big hits, extra base hits, great defense. And playing defense in right field at Fenway is no no laughing matter, right? And to continue to do this amidst all of the nonsense and all of the drama that he has endured um, is commendable. Um, you know, I think, in my opinion, that the the Red Sox have kind of gone out of their way to make a problem with Alex Verdugo. He was a guy that had said, all right, you know, I accept your challenge, Cora. I'm going to be that guy. I'm going to be that player. Now, there have been murmurs, you know, his off-the-field stuff, does he show up on time, is he always locked in? Sure, we can't speak to that. We don't know. We don't have those connections. We're not in the locker room. But are they going to trade him? Are they going to extend him? We know that this guy is emotional, and and whether it be the front office, whether it be, you know, the manager, whether it be the organization as a whole, not showing their confidence in him, I think, has has weighed on him as the series is kind of, I mean, as the season, excuse me has continued to, to go along and, you know, is he pressing? I don't know. It doesn't seem like he's swinging any, any more out of his shoes than he normally does. He's got a pretty good balanced approach from, from my untrained eye. And so it is really just kind of perplexing to see him fall off a cliff like this, to be frank, right? It's not like he's, he's slumping, but you know, gets walks or he's slumping, but has a big hit here or there. Um, you know, it's, it's pretty much all or nothing. And it's, it's definitely been, an interesting sight to see. And, you know, hopefully, um, you know, like you mentioned, Mike, a, a trade could be possible. Something that, you know, we would have never considered at the beginning of the year has now become, um, you know, a very real possibility. But, uh, you know, just, yeah, another unfortunate series for for Verdugo. Um, hopefully, you know, he can find something in, in Washington and, and kind of get the ball rolling as we start playing some of these tougher teams because, you know, when when he's going good, this lineup is is scary. Uh, Terry, I believe you had something that you wanted to add. Yeah. So just to build on some of the stuff you guys were saying, it, it really seems like at this point, if there's a lefty starting, he's sitting automatically. So that that speaks to the the platoon situation that he's he's probably in at this point. And because Devers, for instance, is hitting 286 against lefties. So he's going to be in the order, you know, barring that it's a, you know, not a scheduled day off. I'm pulling up Yoshida splits right now. Um, He is hitting 279 against lefties. 
So those are two very viable lefties, very productive bats, uh, you know, regardless of who they're facing, that are going to be in the lineup uh, every day, you know, for the most part, regardless of righty-lefty. So you're looking at Verdugo and Duran basically sitting and, and maybe still Casas uh, occasionally. Well, who, who knows, because of Turner. So maybe Turner probably won't be playing first, so... Probably Casas is going to get more at bats, but but with the extension talks with Verdugo, I think Bloom literally blew it. I, I really think he should have moved him uh, at the deadline. I don't think it would have been highly consequential, and if that came back to bite us, oh well. I mean, Trevor Story is going to be in the lineup basically every day, uh, you know, starting soon. So that's going to be a, a, a potential, you know, one or two hole hitter uh, for you. And there's plenty of offense here now. Casas has emerged. Um, you know, Yoshida, Duvall, Devers, they're all going to... It's not hard to fill out a lineup card with, with nine players and, and get production. I know we've underachieved at times, but that's... You know, that's not where their averages are. You know, they're going to come around and we're probably going to start hitting at a better clip. And to to let Verdugo's value just kind of, I'm not going to say plummet, but it's, it's not what it would have been. And if this trend continues, he's not going to net you what he might have, uh, you know, in July versus whatever you're going to try to do with him in December. I wonder if the calculations around the trade deadline was he was already slumping, but we know he's not this player. We think if we hold on to him, he can recoup some of that value with a strong second half. If we didn't trade him, you know, kind of thing like, hey, show you the confidence. We didn't want to move you. We took you off the trade table or whatnot. Um, because you're right. I mean, you know, if he continues to, to go on this trajectory, he's only sliding down the trade value scale, right? And it, it would be a, a real bummer um, considering, you know, there were some some pretty prominent pieces moved in, in some capacity at this trade deadline. Anything else that you guys uh, wanted to add uh, on that subject? All righty. Micah, you've already given your dud. That's my, my apologies. Yeah. Uh, so it's over to me. Sorry. Uh, the dud that I had for this series was Jaron Duran. I know that he played um, a little bit sparingly here, uh, but he's been on the dud list a little bit recently, and I feel like we're kind of talking about him in a similar capacity that we have been to Brian Bayo. Um, you know, is it just a, a rough stretch? Are Major League ball clubs finally kind of figuring him out? Does he need to make adjustments? Uh, you know, I think he appeared in two games. Um, you know, no official at-bat today as a defensive substitution. You know, a pinch hit opportunity, I believe it was in um, game one. And so, you know, maybe they're trying to mix in some off days, give them a breather. I know it's the lefty uh, splits that usually tend to, to sit them. But um, I'm not super concerned. I just know that he hasn't had, you know, uh, a Jaron Duran-like series. So that's what kind of landed him on, on my dud list. Michael, what are your thoughts? Yeah, we haven't seen Duran be the exciting player in a, in a little while. Um, but it is crazy, just the game of baseball, how hitters can go from scorching hot to ice cold in such a short amount of time. And that's kind of happened with Duran. But what I saw on Saturday that was 
just clear that he's just not seeing the ball well right now is he took a 2-1 fastball right down the middle. And that just tells me he's either looking for something else or he's just not not seeing it well. And, you know, Duran is probably one of the most aggressive hitters in the lineup. I would say Devers is probably first, but Duran is usually up there hacking. And for him to take that pitch was quite surprising. Um, I'm not worried about Duran. We just, we haven't seen him go to the opposite field like he was when he was really cooking. That's his best. That's when he's at his best is when he's using the entire field and uh, maybe, maybe a bunt or two will will get him going. Just get on base, use that speed. Uh, We've seen Pablo Reyes uh, lay down a couple of bunts. Uh, Connor Wong tried uh, today against Erod. He almost beat it out. I would like to see, Duran, when he's not going well, try to do a couple of things differently, uh, try to draw some walks. But I still think he's really going to be in this platoon role with Ref Snyder just because he's not really going well right now against righties, and we know he hasn't hit well against lefties. So hopefully he can get it going because, again, kind of like Verdugo, when either Verdugo or Duran are going, the offense seems to – to have some some energy and a little extra life to it. So he's a big part of what they they want to do, especially with the speed on the base paths, but he's gotta gotta find it soon because it's been it's been a little while since he's been quiet. I really like the idea of using a bunt to kind of break it up, to to borrow a basketball analogy, right? You don't want to foul the cold shooter because you don't want to have him go to the free throw line and see the ball go through the net and then you know suddenly he finds something. So that's that's an interesting take to see if maybe they implement a couple of uh, bunts just to get Duran on the base paths and and using that dynamic speed that he has to kind of build up his confidence again. Uh, sorry to step in there, Terry. Um, what are your thoughts on? Yeah, it's all good. Um, so the the decline here is steep, you know, in the last month or so, and it, it's only accelerating, you know, more towards the ground at this point. Um, last 28 days, he's, he's hitting 231 with a 286. Last 14 days, he's hitting 191 with a 244 on base. Last week, he's hitting he's hitting 053 with a um, 143 on base. So that's what I mean. It's accelerating uh, rapidly in the wrong direction, and. It's interesting. I mean, we've we've talked about extensions with you know on this show uh, about Casas and Bayo. Nobody's talking extensions with Jaron Duran, so maybe they're not sold yet that he is the player that he has been for most of the year. I think he he could be somewhat close to that player, and that's what I'm hoping because man. As I've been saying, he helps you win in so many different ways. And today he was a defensive replacement. Before this season, he was a defensive liability and a really bad one. So he's re- he's improved immensely there. And there's been no plateau. There's been no regression uh, with his defense. It's uh, It's only continued to improve. So I hope he gets back to where he was. I mean... Even if he's, uh, you know, a, a 260, 270 hitter and, and he draws a few more walks, he's still going to, that's still going to be highly productive for him. So 
I hope he can find it. I'm going to be, if we're talking five years from now that, you know, 2023 was just a flash in the pan season for Jaron Duran, I'm going to be so sad. Like, I want this guy to work out. I want him to be a long-term, you know, player on the Red Sox roster. So hopefully he does get it together. But like I was saying a few minutes ago, suddenly we have a lot of pieces. So someone like him is potentially expendable at this point, especially if Turner stays healthy. You know, Turner had a couple of home runs this series on a bum foot. And, but that's all you need from him. You know, if he can still be productive as your DH, that's still a a spot in the lineup that, you know, potentially you don't necessarily have to start Duran on certain days. So, but uh, that's all I got on him. Micah, did you have anything you wanted to add? No, I I don't. I just think the, well, maybe I do. (laughs) I think the outfield position group is, is quite interesting because Duvall is very hit or miss and you, you really are expecting that home run. And it, it, it really feels like now Verdugo and Duran, are you going to get any production out of either of those guys? So it, it feels like Ref Snyder and Yoshida now are the guys you can count on, and you have three guys who I don't really know right now. I think I would probably feel better, more confident right now in Duvall just because we know he can run into one. But right now I'm, I'm not too sure about Duran, and I have no idea about Verdugo because I just think something is is really mentally going on with Verdugo. I don't think it's it has a lot to do with the – the mechanics of his swing. I just think mentally he's almost checked out, which is kind of weird. It is really strange with, with Verdugo, especially because that was kind of the thing that endeared him to Boston initially, right? Is, you know, a guy that could play in Boston, could handle the atmosphere, the intensity of the fans and and bringing it on a day-to-day basis to the ballpark. And to see him check out mentally is, is been disorienting to say the least. Um, I didn't have a lot for dishonorable mentions. Terry or Micah, did you guys have anybody that you wanted to uh, unfortunately highlight? Uh, well, not that he really deserves it, but you know, Chris Martin, three hits today was a little unsettling, but uh, none of them came across the plate, which was good. Um, but Luis Urias, the big fish <laughs> in the trade deadline, I'm going to keep calling him that. Um, one for six, not really helping you a whole lot. I mean, if you had Christian Arroyo in there, you might have a little bit more, um, production, but it's early. I mean, he could still have a good last five or six weeks, but, uh, and I, I also, I want to throw in Rob Ref Snyder, uh, one for eight. It just seems like his numbers are coming down. I think he's hitting, uh, 258 now he'd been in the upper two hundreds for a while, uh, mostly being, uh, you know, started against lefties. So hopefully Ref Snyder uh, gets it together because, you know, he's kind of become a popular uh, fixture in that dugout. Alrighty, Is there anything else that you gentlemen would like to add tonight? Nope. All right. That wraps this up for all of us here tonight. We want to thank all of our loyal listeners and to our first time listeners as well. We appreciate all of you. Whether you're listening to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, we thank you. Everyone have a great night and take care.